Okay, guys, I'm uh, in my living room here. Um, I saw you guys uh, in your services, but uh, I'm not really used to this setup yet. So I've got a ladder standing here in front of me uh, with uh, a few boxes piled on top of it so that I have created my pulpit here. And I'm trying to figure out how with these glasses I can avoid any reflection and still have light in my face, but I don't know. Uh, I'm very happy to preach to you. And since I watched um, two of your previous services, I can a little bit imagine who's there in front of the camera. Uh, and I'm very happy to share with you um, about this passage from 1 Thessalonians where the topic today is going to be how to stay in touch with God. About a month after we came to Athens, I found myself quite drained. Um, we were you know, moving into our new apartment, we're getting ready for this new city, everything was in a different language, everything was strange, and we we were so much faster than anyone had expected, but nevertheless, it was just so exhausting, and there were so many things that I was worrying about, and most importantly, I felt that, you know, for someone who moved to another country for ministry with Jesus, I didn't feel very connected to God, and uh, in the midst of all that activity, I I didn't really feel like I had a lot of spiritual vitality. There was not this, you know, this feeling of being close to God, this feeling of being alive with God um, that was missing a little bit. Um, and during this time, I had a phone call with two of my buddies. I already told you that he has two ship buddies that he stays in touch. And I already uh, picked two. Uh, one of them is Daniel from the UK and the other Stefan from France. And we were talking about um you know just our ministry and daniel was sharing that he had a bible study where the question was how do you stay close to god and there were standard answers like i read the bible i pray i listen to worship music and one of the younger students told daniel you know what for me sometimes i just sit down and i just enjoy the presence of god and i just enjoy that he's there and i just enjoy being close to him and daniel shared with us that you know that really struck him because when he was 20, that was how, how he used to feel. And then, then I thought back to, to my time on the ship when I was about 20 and uh, I was there with Ollie. And I just think back to how we were and we were just on fire. I mean, you know, many of us would get up in the morning and spend at least one, two hours in prayer and just enjoying God's presence. Um, we, while we were working, we could listen to sermons um, in, in, in our lunch conversations, we would discuss this new Bible passage and how it made us even more excited about the glory of God and about how wonderful God is. And then whenever we had a spare moment, we wouldn't just keep this to ourselves, but we would evangelize and share the gospel with others. And we were on fire. And then I thought, well, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. I'm 33. I look, I look younger, I know. Um, but I'm 33. I just moved to another country for ministry. And, you know, my 20-year-old self was much closer to God than I am now. What happened? And that is a bit of a question that, that we want to tackle today. How can we stay close to God? And that is what this passage today, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 to 18, is about. You know, in, in the end of Thessalonians, Paul has these different exhortations, and you looked at two sets of exhortations uh, last Sunday, where it was all about the way we live together. And then the next set of 
exhortations, the two are about, first of all, how we approach God, how we interact to God with God. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then how God speaks to us. That's the topic of uh, probably next week. Um, and so we're going to look at this passage. It's a very short passage. And uh, it reads from the ESV. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's pretty straightforward. In your interaction with God, you should always have a lifestyle of rejoicing, of praying, and of giving thanks. And there's a very well-known parallel passage to this where Paul puts it in a different way in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, difficult word for me, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you know, it's about this. It's about living with God, about having joy in God, about pouring our hearts out to God about what we need and being thankful and everything. And we've heard this a lot. <laughs> and I think today the question will not be for me to teach you anything, anything great, but I think the challenge will be um, for us to think about how do we actually live this. And now, you, you know, some of you might think uh, we're not in Europe. You know, the COVID situation is getting better. The measures are becoming less harsh. Things are opening up. Summer is coming. The cases have gone down like crazy in Australia. And, you know, we don't particularly need this passage at this moment. We need it at the past few months. But, but now, you know, things are lightening up. Um, for us in Europe, it feels very different at the moment. Um, even here in Greece, we have to cut down a lot of our ministry. Um, but I think, you know, in the, in the time coming up, I, I think you will, you will need this lifestyle and this attitude just as much as you used in the past few months. What comes now can be quite difficult. You know, you're hoping for a change. You're hoping to see your friends again. And some measures will be taken away, but some won't be taken away as quickly as you thought. And, you know, reconnecting will be more difficult. You know, as, as you're able to do more things, suddenly you also find yourself doing more things and having to pick up on things that were laying low and you're going to be super busy. And I think in the coming weeks and months, it might be very easy actually to disconnect with God and to not stay in touch with Him. And so today, let this be a, a little checkup, a little reminder for you um, for an attitude and a lifestyle that you want to have uh, in the coming weeks as well. And I'm going to go through these not in the order that Paul lists them, starting with joy and then prayer and thanksgiving, but in the order which for me is the order of difficulty. So praying is the easiest for me, thanking is the second easiest, and rejoicing is very difficult. So let's talk about these. Um, and, it, and it's going to be rather quick. Um, so the first of all, you know, pray always. Um, of course, that doesn't mean that you have to always drop everything that you're doing and kneel down and close your eyes or however you pray um, and, you know, do that in all circumstances. Neither does it mean that when you can now go back to your office that you stand at your desk all the time lifting your hands and 
with your eyes open praying to the Lord. No, that's not what it means. It's about having an attitude of prayer continually. It's about being in a spirit of pouring out your needs and your thoughts to God continually. And um, Matthew Henry puts this well. He says, uh, the meaning is not that men should not should do nothing but pray, but that nothing else we do should hinder prayer in its proper season. Prayer will help forward and not hinder all other lawful business and every good work. What a valuable reminder as you're going in the coming weeks and you know you might have a few days where where things really demand your attention and to be reminded no prayer will further and not hinder every good work and so being in a spirit of prayer and on the other hand you know making sure that you keep set times of prayer in your daily rhythm which can then kind of serve as a starting point i have a friend in germany a good friend his name is frank that's a german name and he has four kids and he's a teacher and he's very busy trying to teach uh, several classes at the same time some present some at home and so forth um, he's also leading a prayer house um, and he's married and so he has a very very busy lifestyle but I find him one of the most joyful and and peaceful people and he has this habit of getting up at five o'clock in the morning and then starting the day till about 6 6 30 when his youngest son gets up and then it's kind of over for him and he says my day is so packed and so busy that's the time I take to pray. Now I didn't copy him in this, but I find it inspiring that he's just fighting for this moment with God in everyday life and I can see in him what a difference it makes. And I find that here for me in Greece with so many uh, new things with arriving here with uh, so many things on my to-do list with so many things that are not working out, what a great relief that is um, in my prayer times to be able to just write down a few things where I realize these are really the things that are bothering me, That's these are things where I need change and to express these things to God and then to um, be able to leave them there um, and to let go of these things there. Sorry, I'm, I don't have space for my iPad on this ladder so I always have to have to lean down. And, uh, and just yesterday I was sitting on our balcony here and, and pouring out some of these things to God. And I was thinking, man, how would that be with all these measures becoming stricter now in, in COVID times if I didn't have that connection? If I didn't have God who I could pour out these things to, I think I would get so dark and so broody when you're stuck at home. Um, and, and what a gift and a privilege that we're not alone, but that we have a loving Heavenly Father who we can pour out all these concerns to all the time and he's just waiting there listening to waiting there to listen for us to us and uh, and when paul speaks about prayer in this letter he, he actually has a lot of you know intercession for others in mind um, in first thessalonians whenever paul mentions prayer mostly he talks about that he's praying for the thessalonian church and he wants them to know that he's continually praying for them and for their well-being as they continue and he also asked the Thessalonian church to pray for him. So when you have those prayer times, don't forget to pray for others. One funny anecdote about praying for others. I was there uh, when Doini and Oli had one of their most important dating conversations. 
um, that was about a month before I left the ship and uh, and Ollie and I had been meeting for about a month to, to pray together and to share about what's going on in our lives and that was a, a very hot doiny time you know where uh, things well, hot you know what I mean uh, things were becoming really decisive and uh, he was going to have this very important conversation with Doini and we talked about it and it just so happened that he was going to have that conversation in the dining room in which I was at that point assigned to clean. So I was cleaning the dining room and I could see Ollie walking in there, waiting, sitting down at the table, very, very anxious. And Doini walking in there, sitting down at the table with him, also very anxious. And me being just basically like 10 meters away from them um, because I had to wipe the tables and vacuum the floor, which made conversation definitely much more easy for them. Um, but the entire time I was just praying for them and it was so nice to see them uh, on video a few days ago and uh, to see them as a married couple with four kids and you know only a pastor of a church um, yeah but praying for others don't forget that then the second thing is you know give thanks in all circumstances and when I read about this passage I read something that John Calvin the great reformer said and I thought that was very wise um, Calvin says that it's, it's very easy when we only pray for things that we get lost in our needs and that we get discouraged. And so that what God provides us with thanksgiving is almost like a check on us not destroying ourselves with our neediness. And he says the following, For many pray in such a manner as at the same time to murmur against God and fret themselves as he does not immediately gratify their wishes. But on the contrary, it is befitting that our desires should be restrained in such a manner that, contented with what is given us, we always mingle thanksgiving with our desires. We may, lawfully, it is true, ask, nay, sigh and lament, but it must be in such a way that the will of God is more acceptable to us than our own. And so Calvin says, you know, in all our neediness, this this thanksgiving is just a restraint and such a blessing that we don't get lost um, and you know paul in this letter he gives thanks a lot what he gives thanks about the most is um, the growth of the church that he says we came to you and you received the word of god not not as a sermon preached by men but you received it as what it is a word from god and even though we were kicked out and had to flee from thessalonica um, you know, your faith grew and, and you're full of love and, and you're developing in such an amazing way that you're an example to others. And we can just thank God. So even though Paul says, I'm anxious, you know, I'm praying for you and I'm worried that I don't get to see you and, and all these kinds of things. At the same time, I'm just so grateful that things are going so well with you. And I don't know how about you, but Thanksgiving is difficult for me. And I, I find myself failing with that again and again and again. Just yesterday, I was trying to prepare for the sermon, and because we have very busy days at the moment, sorry, my screen just went insane. Okay, now I'm back. Because we have very busy days at the moment, um, you know, I wanted to start early, um, early as eight, you know, and but that was the time when breakfast was still going on. My daughter was getting ready for kindergarten, and. I was just trying to go to our bedroom where we have a table and just work a little bit and pray a little bit. And you know, it felt like every five minutes, my wife is barging in there and getting something for the kids and getting clothes for herself and 
getting things again against mosquito bites because my daughter's whining about bites again and i was just like man this this sucks like how should i continue in this office if the measures go down you know like this is so frustrating why didn't we get an apartment with a spare office like we should have waited longer we should have gotten an apartment with a spare office where i can just have my quiet and i was getting so frustrated and then I started working on the sermon, and of course I was reminded, man, you know, what are you complaining about? You know, so many people in the world are working from home from, at the moment. And, you know, many of them, they don't even have a spare room, like, where they can put a table. They will have to work at the dining room table with the kids all around them, uh, where it's almost impossible to have a video conference. They will have to go up on their roof, or I don't know what. Um, and the only thing I'm complaining about, that there's an hour slot where I don't get productive work done um, because my kids are getting ready for the day. I'm, I'm such a failure at this. I always go back to, you know, just complaining about what I don't have rather than being grateful for it, what I do have. And right now, I, I don't know how it is for you. For me, I always have this one or two things that will just get me back into gratitude straight away. And for me at the moment, it's just gratitude for kindergarten. We put our daughter in a Greek kindergarten she was very eager to meet other kids regularly, but she doesn't speak Greek. So the first two weeks were just so difficult for her. Um, she's a very talkative person. For a German girl her age, she knows so much vocabulary, is so expressive, and language is her way to connect and to you know, interact with the world. It's, it's her superpower. You know, every kid has a superpower. Language is her superpower. So then she walks into a kindergarten and her one superpower, the one thing she's confident in, the one thing that gives her courage in interacting with other people is taken away completely. And I could see her not wanting to go and I could see her, you know, coming back exhausted and sad and I was just weighed down by this. But then the third week came and everything was different. She enjoyed kindergarten, she loved to go, Every day she knows more Greek words, she listens to everything. She still doesn't speak Greek, but she loves it there. And and what a relief in moving to another country that my daughter is taking care of. That she has this one place that she loves, where she's looking forward to every day. And so when I find myself getting into one of those ungrateful moods, this is like my, my, my joker. I always get out the gratitude for how well my daughter is doing. And I think I, I can continue with that. For a long time. Now the final one, rejoice always. I know how you rejoice always. That's the most difficult one for me. But the Thessalonians, um, they had a lot of reasons to rejoice and Paul makes that very clear in the letter that you've heard preached over a couple of weeks. It says in uh, chapter 1 verse 6 that when they received the gospel, Despite the persecution that came, they received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And Paul makes it clear in this letter that there's so many things that they can rejoice about. You know, in chapter 1, verse 9 to 10, just the salvation, the expectation that they wait for Jesus to come back and that he will judge the world, he will free it from all evil, and he will rescue them at this time of judgment. They could rejoice about the effort that Paul and his team had a ministering to them. That's something that Paul talks a lot about. Um, they could rejoice that when they die or when the 
you know, family members and friends die, they don't have to be discouraged, but they have a hope of being reunited with Jesus at his return. And they can rejoice about this new life with God, which is so fleshed out in chapter 5, verse 4 to 11. And, and Paul says, you know, this rejoicing is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, because you're in this new situation now. You're in Christ Jesus. You're completely new people. You're united with him. You're part of the new people of God. And because you're there, you have so much reason to rejoice. And again, you know, during COVID times, I, what a privilege that we have a, that we have a source of joy that goes beyond our immediate circumstances, um, that takes us, you know, beyond this very limited horizon that we sometimes have, really a limited horizon geographically. And, and again, I think how difficult would it be if the only source of escape from this would be Netflix or whatever else I get digitally. But that, you know, because I know God and I'm part of the new creation, I can look forward to this hope and I can, I can look to God who's outside of my tiny apartment, outside of my, you know, restrictions. He's beyond that. What a gift. And it inspires me as well to want to share that gift with people who go through COVID times without a hope like that and who go into the future without a hope like that. At our center where we work here, um, I met this uh, Afghan couple. They came from the island Lesbos, um, which is famous for the large camp. They had a fire uh, about two months ago there. And so they were sent to Athens two months ago. But in Athens, they didn't have a house. Unless they at least had a, had a little shack or people now have tents. In Athens, they had nothing. So they, with their two small kids, I think about three and five years old, they were camping on the street. And when I saw him again last Friday, I asked him, so do you now have a house? And he said, no, we don't have a house, but we got some money so we could live in a cheap hotel for a few days. But um, we're going to have to leave that hotel soon and then we go back to the street. I just looked at him and, and just repeated the question. I said, you don't have a house, man. I'm so sorry. And then he answered in a very simple Persian. And he looked at me and he said, a house we don't have, but God we have. And this was not a, this was not a, you know, one of those Christian phrases that we hear where you're like, okay, tell your heart first before you tell me. No, he was speaking from the heart. Uh, he meant it. He had a hope beyond this. And that really inspired me. Um, but this might sound like, you know, joy is all about being disconnected from this world with our feelings and being connected to the spiritual realm, as it were. But for Paul, it wasn't that. When we look at uh, this letter of 1 Thessalonians, when he talks about joy, actually, almost all the time he talks about the Thessalonian church itself. And he says, it's the Thessalonian church. It's you guys who are bringing me joy. And he talks about, about it to an extent that we might find unspiritual even. When he says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19 to 20, For what is our hope or joy, our crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. And you know. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, no, 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 Paul, God is your glory and your joy. 
God is your crown of boasting. Like, what are you talking about? But he says, no, this is part of my ministry. If I, if I was able to be part of planting a church like that and of being able to be, you know, part of a ministry of the Holy Spirit like that, that is my joy. So joy is not just limited to the spiritual gifts that we have that are, you know, almost um, you know, independent of how we experience life here on the earth. Um, joy is also, a very Christian joy is connected to what we experience in our life with Jesus here on earth. And I think when we're full of prayer, pouring out our needs to God, and when we're full of thanksgiving, thanking God for what he's giving us in this life, and, um, you know, spiritually, that's when joy overflows from within us. Um, but in practice, I find that really hard. <laughs> Um, and and I, I need I need to train my heart so badly in this. Um, I remember that uh, when I was on the ship with uh, with Ollie, um, you know I was you know people would notice a really critical German negative spirit about me, um, and I had this uh, one leader who was really challenging me on this, and, and she was trying me to get me to to be more positive about things. And, and, and more grateful and not just focus on the critical things. And one of those moments was when um, I had like a, like a one-day internship in the engine room because I was working in another department. And the person I was assigned to work with was Ollie. And so um, after this work day, um, my leader, she asked me, so how was your work day with Ollie? And I said, oh man, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was nice to see the engine room, but the best thing was just spending time with Ollie because he's just such an amazing guy. Like he's just so friendly, so encouraging. Um, and he just took me in and it was just great to hang out with him. You know, it would be, you know, he's a guy like type of guy that I would like to have as my friend. And she looks at me and she's like, so did you tell him? No, I, no, I didn't tell him. Um, you know, but it was obvious it was a good time. And then she challenged me, said, okay, by tomorrow morning, you've gone to Ollie and you've thanked him for the day and you tell him what you think, uh, what a great guy he is. Um, so we really need this, we need, really need to train ourselves uh, to change our, our attitude and our spirit. And I think spending time with people who are joyful is one of the best practices because, you know, a joyful lifestyle is not something that uh, you can you can learn with your mind. It's something you catch. It's a it's a rhythm of life. It's a it's a spirit you have to take on. And for me, you know, Ollie is one of the best examples of this. At least when I knew him, I don't know what he's like now. Um, but I found him every time I spent time with him, such a joyful and encouraging guy. Like if there was something to celebrate, he would celebrate it. And if there was something to affirm in me, he would affirm it. And um, yeah. Hang out with him if he's still like that um, or spend time with him, stay in touch with him. Or, you know, if he's not like that anymore, just find some other people who are joyful and then enjoy spending time with them. And, and you will catch on and that will transform your, your attitude towards life. And it will help you to see the things that you can be grateful for about God and um, about your life. Um, I have a friend of mine um, who's, who also inspires me, who, who I noticed he, he speaks with his kids about what he enjoys about God all the time. So, you know, you know, they will be around and his child will see a duck or something. And instead of just talking about the duck, you were like, I mean, isn't that amazing how God made that duck, you know? You know, you know how I told you that God made everything for himself because he wants to 
to show us, you know, how great he is and how we can enjoy him and how worshiping is the best thing. You know, look at that duck. Look at how amazing that duck is. You know, God made that duck to, to show us how great he is. Isn't that awesome? That's the way he talks to his kids. And, you know, that's the kind of person that I want to be. I find that very inspiring. Um, and then, you know, a, a final thing would be for me just worship music. Again, it, it comes down to that. I find it sometimes more easy to express myself to God joyfully when I, when I, when I can sing, when I can sing it. So uh, I don't play the ukulele. I have a ukulele lying in the corner there. And I don't play it well at all. But I often use it in my prayer times because I feel like when, when I just can play, play a few chords and just sing badly over these chords to the Lord, it's just my heart flows and the joy can come out much better than if I just use my words. So there you have it. That was nothing new, but it was just a reminder. And, and I want you to look back at your week and think, you know, did you stay in touch with God like that? Were you in an attitude of, of praying to him? Would you thank him in everyday life for the little things and the, and the big things? Would you rejoice in him? Despite what's going on, was there this, this joy about being in a relationship with God and how good he is to you? Um, I think this is something that we need to be reminded of again and again. And... Um, that was just one of those reminders. And then take that into a week and make it become a lifestyle more and more. How did I get out of the rut? I told you in the beginning that after a month here, I, um, I found it, I felt quite disconnected and not very joyful, not very grateful, not actually, you know, asking for things that much. Um, and the first thing that helped me was my conversation with these two friends. And uh, another thing that helped me was um, a quote that I read by um, Romano Gardini, uh, an Italian-German theologian, uh, in a little booklet he has about um, sacred rhythms. And um, he has a section on the morning um, and on how a morning is important to start the day. And I read that, and that was a game changer for me. And I'm going to read that quote to you. Perhaps I'll read it twice because it's, you know, uh, something to get your mind around a little bit. See how much depends on the first hour of the day? It is its, its beginning. One can also begin it without a beginning, thoughtlessly, without will, slide into it. This is then no day at all, but a shred of time without sense and without countenance. But a day is a path at one's direction. A day is a deed. This demands a clear will. A day is your whole life. Your life is like a day, but that demands a countenance. Will and direction and a clear countenance that looks to God. The morning creates all this. And when I read this, I, I thought, you know, this is exactly my situation. I don't start the day with God. Um, perhaps I'll take time with God at any point in the day. But this is then no day at all. It's but a shred of time. That's what my days felt like, just shreds of time, not days with God. And so um, what I started is um, I started just to pick up starting the day with God. I started with, you know, just setting my alarm for half an hour and saying, okay, this is my half hour with God. 
Um, and I would do that either, you know, when I had office time, then I would go to the office. And the first thing I would do at the office, because I didn't manage at home, would be um, to take time with God for 30 minutes. That's not long, but it would just give my day direction with God. And even, uh, you know, on the days that I would stay at home with the kids, because we share our workload, um, I would stay at home with the kids. And I knew that, you know, <laughs> it's going to be a marathon till about 12 when the first one falls asleep. And then I have a little respite. Um, I would make sure that before I, you know, stepped out of the bathroom, say, I would have just like one minute of focused prayer to dedicate myself and um, to dedicate my heart to God in this day. And I realized that if I do that, if I start the day with God, then it's much, much easier for me to stay connected with God throughout the day. And people work differently, so this is not a recipe for all of us, but perhaps this will inspire you as a starting point for a lifestyle of continual rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving throughout the day. So I'll read that quote one more time. See how much depends on the first hour of the day? It is its beginning. One can also begin it without a beginning, thoughtlessly, without will slide into it. This is then no day at all, but a shred of time, without sense and without countenance. But a day is a path, it wants direction. A day is a deed, this demands a clear will. A day is your whole life. Your life is like a day, but that demands a countenance. Will and direction and a clear countenance that looks to God. The morning creates all this. Father, we thank you so much that you are near to us. And as we go into this next week, we want to Take this first day of the week, this Sunday, as a starting point, not as a, as a one-time event, but as a starting point for our relationship with you. And we would just want to stay in touch with you and stay close to you. Thank you that we have your Holy Spirit who's with us in all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. It was nice to be with you, uh, even just via video. See you around. Mm -hmm.